Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast, episode 118, Flight Simulator. My name is Jesse Ellertson, and I am a certified life coach, a 16-year military wife, and a mother of six. I love working with flowers, playing games, and going to the movies, and I'm a huge fan of my husband and kids, sleeping in, and everything about food. I have created this podcast as a free resource for military wives who want to improve the experience that they are having while their service member is deployed. If you are ready to thrive while your husband is away, then you're in the right place. For today's episode, I want to tell you guys a story that illustrates the power of coaching, and it comes from a personal coaching example from myself from this summer. Uh, Often I'll share examples of me coaching other people, but that actually is like a little trickier to do because I always really want to protect the privacy of my clients. But also since I've been working with my coach Uh, regularly, you know, week over week, like we talked about, I just have so many examples from my own coaching that I love to share. You guys know me, I'm a sharer. I don't need to protect my own privacy. So uh, these are just, these examples are just so much easier to access for me. And also I know what's going on in my own brain. So it's just really fun to share with you. So you'll see why in a few minutes, why I titled this episode Flight Simulator. It kind of ties in at the end. So for about five years now, I have been having what I would call a problem where I wake up in the middle of the night in a panic, in a rush full of, and anxiety is not quite the right word, but and it's kind of different every time. Sometimes it's shame, sometimes it's anxiety, sometimes it's embarrassment, sometimes it's guilt, but I'm always in a big hurry to fix something big and important that doesn't even exist And it's kind of like I've been having a dream about a problem and then I jump, I wake up thinking I need to solve that problem, but it's, it's barely about the dream. I I don't know what causes me to wake up, but basically what I find myself is that I literally physically jump out of bed and start to walk slash run in my (laughs) sleepiness towards the thing I need to fix. And if I fix it quickly, then maybe it won't be a big problem. Or if I fix it quickly, then nobody gets hurt. Or if I fix it really quickly, then maybe no one will know that I wasn't taking care of it or forgot to do it or dropped the ball. Or, you know, there's, it's a variety of things. And I will give you a few specific examples to really illustrate that. So for example, sometimes I'm, it, it does start with a dream. So sometimes I'm dreaming that I was responsible for like literally a barn full of animals. And I live in a community with a lot of horse property and a lot of animals. So that's not too weird, but I don't have any animals. I have two cats that live in my garage and eat my mice and, you know, I'm taking great care of them. Uh, But anyway, so it'll be a lot of animals that I was in charge of that I completely forgot to take care of and feed. And it's been days or maybe even weeks. So in my mind, depending on if it's been days or weeks, I either know that it's a lost cause and I have a barn full of dead animals, or if it's only been days in my dream, then there's a chance that if I get up there fast enough, I'll be able to feed them and give them water and nurse them back to health or whatever, and no one will know that I wasn't taking good care of them or that I forgot to take good care of them. And I know know that dreams can have meaning, and I've looked into some of the specific dreams that I've had and learned a little bit from that. And I think there's probably more I could learn from it there, but I'll tell you where I took this in my coaching in just a minute. I want to give you another example. Sometimes it's pretty abstract, like I will have this button I was supposed to push or a release valve. It kind of reminds me of, if you guys ever watched the show Lost, 
how they have to input that code every nine hours or 90 minutes or something so that the island won't blow up or something. So it's kind of like that where I was responsible for adjusting something or adding something or inputting information or something that prevented something bad from happening and I had forgotten to do it and who knows how long I had been forgetting to do it. And why can't I remember how to do it right now? Like I jump out of bed knowing it's time to input that information, but I don't know where I'm supposed to input it or what information I'm supposed to put in or what button I'm supposed to push, but I'm so urgent in that moment. And I'm standing there, like physically out of my bed, standing uh, right outside my bedroom or right at my front door, or sometimes I'm just standing by the side of my bed trying to find the button and there's no button. It's just a very weird and you know alarming and pretty uncomfortable. And uh, anyway, one more example is I'll have a really important prescription I was supposed to be taking daily. So you can kind of see a theme here of like a responsibility that I have dropped the ball on. Um, But basically, I'll have a prescription I was supposed to be taking and I'll suddenly realize that I had forgotten to take it for a certain amount of time. Again, it's interesting that sometimes it's like I've forgotten for a couple of days and sometimes it's like I haven't taken that prescription in months. Like I must be so sick or something. And then I jump out of bed and try and fix it in that moment. So anyway, those are a few specific examples of the types of dreams and anxiety and feelings that I have once I or when I jump out of bed and, and try to solve the problem. And then what happens and this all happens pretty quickly, is I will be out of my bed trying to do the thing that my brain is telling me needs to happen right then. And then I just have a few moments of frustration and confusion because I don't even know what to do, right? It doesn't exist. And so my brain is like malfunctioning because it's saying, do the thing, but there isn't a thing to do. And then my brain wakes up enough to realize that I was dreaming and it was that thing again. And there is no problem. Nothing's wrong. I can just get back in bed. I have not dropped the ball on any major responsibilities. Like it's really interesting because although, you know, at times I might forget an appointment or forget to return someone's phone call or, you know, like I'm not saying I never forget things, but I'm pretty on top of especially my high priority responsibilities. Like I take care of all these kids and my house and my business and, uh, you know, different things with church and friends. And I, I I do a lot in my life. And for the most part, I manage those responsibilities quite well. But it's pretty interesting that my brain comes up with these. The theme is always that I have completely dropped the ball on a pretty important responsibility that does not only impact me, it impacts other people, this responsibility that I have failed to do, typically. So I actually don't know how long that next part takes where I figure out, like I finally wake up enough to realize that nothing's wrong. It feels like mere seconds. It might be as much as a minute. It's kind of hard to know because again, I'm waking up from the depths of sleep. And so then I do a couple of different things in that moment. Sometimes I'm still like sleepy enough that I just don't think much about it, get back in bed, go back to sleep. But sometimes I'm awake enough from how troubled I was or how rushed I was or how stressed I was that I am just like wide awake and then a couple of things happen. I either am so embarrassed that I did it again or I'm so frustrated that I did it again. Like, oh, I can't believe I put, like I basically I put myself through that again when there is nothing wrong. And I have now felt all these feelings <laughs> that I completely made up. None of, like none of it was necessary. None of it exists. I have like put my body through stress and adrenaline and and none of it was needed. 
And so I'll often feel very frustrated that it happened again. And and then I'm typically quite awake and it can, I can struggle to fall back asleep sometimes. Again, sometimes I fall back asleep pretty quickly, but I typically do not react to myself very well. So I feel the feelings of the dream. And then I re, once I'm awake enough to realize what's going on, I judge or react to myself that I did it again, that I had it again. And then I even have one more series <laughs> sequence of events in this where the next day I spend time thinking about like, I was awake in the middle of the night again. Like I, and I kind of evaluate, oh, I can't believe it happened again. And I try to think about what I could do to help it not happen again. But it was pretty overwhelming to work on this problem because it felt really unfixable. It was happening in the middle of the night. How, there's, how do you control your dreams? It also didn't seem to have a ton of pattern to it. Like it's important to know that I would have it every night for a week and then I wouldn't have it for four months or I would have it one night here and a week later one night there and then two nights in a row and then not for a week like it wasn't every night and it it didn't happen like it just didn't seem to have a very solvable pattern it didn't really seem cyclical it didn't really seem predictable and because of all of that it didn't really seem preventable And what's interesting is that this started during my husband's most recent deployment, which was five years ago, which was in 2018. And so at the time, that made a lot of sense to me. It made sense that I was running the show at home and all the responsibilities were on my shoulders and there was a lot for me to keep track of. And I didn't have my partner there to help pick up my slack or help catch me when I fall or help remind me of things I need to be keeping track of or even obviously take some of the responsibilities from me and do them so that we were sharing the load together. And so when I would have these dreams, I would just think this must just be happening because my husband's deployed and I am stressed and there's a lot of pressure on me and a lot of responsibility. But then what was tricky is even when he was home, it kept happening. And again, I would go quite some time without having one and I would think, oh, maybe they're gone. Like maybe it's not going to happen anymore. Another thing that's maybe important to know is that I am a pretty heavy sleeper, but I have been known to sleepwalk and sort of act out my dreams a little bit in the night. So that wasn't super unusual, but this was a new way. This it had, I had never experienced it in this way and at this level of intensity and with what felt like as much maybe meaning and weight as this these experiences were adding up to be. So working with my life coach throughout the week, I'm working on what we talked about on our last session. And I'm also kind of thinking about, okay, what do I want to work on next time we meet? Or even have like a little bit of a list running to say, here's something I definitely want to talk about on the weeks where like nothing's pressing on my mind. Sometimes something will happen within a day or two right before my session that I'll say, oh yeah, that's definitely one that I want to talk about and work on and get to the bottom of, or I'll have like my overarching goals that I'm working on with my weight loss and my physical health that become the topic of many of my sessions, but then I have a little list of things that I definitely want to talk about, but they're not necessarily a high priority that I just have in my in my phone for the weeks where the session comes. It's the day of my next session and nothing's really pressing down on me. So that happened to me this summer. And one of the things at the top of this little list that I had was talking to my coach about these dreams that I've been having. So I spent some time explaining to her how it went and how it felt like just similarly to how I just explained it to you. And I told her what I had done to work on them. Like for example, one exercise I would try to do that seemed to help, but definitely didn't 
completely prevent them is I would run through before I went to sleep all of the most important things, my most important responsibilities in reality, and remind myself that all was well with those things. Like I had taken care of it. I knew what was coming up tomorrow. I had taken care of what needed to happen today. I was not forgetting some password or some prescription. Like I was taking care of everything. And I would just give myself a few minutes of running through those things and kind of championing myself or congratulating myself or reassuring myself that I was doing a great job and that I wasn't dropping the ball on anything big, even if, you know, again, at times I drop the ball in little ways, but that's just human. That's just normal. And I would try to do that in just the few minutes before I fell asleep so that hopefully that train of thought would go into my dreams. Now, it's hard to know if this helped or not. I know for sure that it didn't hurt to do those things, to run through that little exercise at night before I went to sleep, but I definitely still would have the episodes in the middle of the night, even when I did that before I went to sleep. So as I discussed all of this with my coach and started to massage it a little bit, make some space around it, spend some time understanding it, normalizing it, forgiving myself for doing it. I mean, forgiving is a strong word, but basically giving myself permission to have a human brain that does things in the middle of the night sometimes that are a little inexplicable. And I knew that that was probably, that was something I'd worked on on my own. So we really explored that for a while of just exploring thoughts like the fact that this happens isn't a problem. And it kind of isn't something that I can make a lot of change about. But the part that I really can change is how I react to myself when I do it. So the parts that I really did have control of were what I did when when I became into full awareness, fully awake, right in that moment, realizing I had done it again, right? And when I was very tempted to be frustrated with myself or even feel embarrassed or shameful or angry or whatever, that I could instead just be patient and kind to myself on that moment. And then also the next day when I would think about it again. And when I say to you, like the next day that I would spend time thinking about it, it's not like I sat down and thought about it. It was just as I was going throughout my day, it would be in my mind and on my mind. And I would evaluate it and I would think like, how do I make this stop? Like that was a very common thought for me is how do I make this stop? How can I make this stop happening basically? And so those were definitely the parts in my control. And I knew that I had made some headway in like, I don't need to make this stop. I just need to find a new way to handle it after the fact, because hopefully at some point I will stop having these dreams, or at least I can find a way to decrease the frequency. But because they happened in my sleep, it was really hard to imagine a way that I could impact them because when you're asleep, you're not really in control of your brain. So we explored that for a while and we came up with some different things that I could work on, some new thoughts I could try on. And the real magic during a session is just getting it from outside of my brain, kind of out onto paper, right? Out into the world, out in a visual we'll do sometimes. It's almost like the life coach and the client are sitting on a couch looking up at a TV and the client has put the information out of their brain, out of their mouth, up onto the TV, and then both of you take a look at it. And it's just so much easier to be objective and to be more open, again, flexible, and really helps you get into that space of curiosity and better, way better into problem-solving mode than when it's inside of you and you're feeling all the intense feelings that are often very uncomfortable. And so when you can just pull it outside of you and look at it and have another person look at it and give you some feedback and both of you can come up with some different ideas, like there's a ton of power right in the moment in that coaching session. And then I definitely left the session with feeling like I had things I was ready to work on. 
And, you know, with this kind of problem, we didn't have, oh, here's why this happens. Here's exactly what it means. And here's exactly how to stop. Like that wasn't necessarily the goal of the session. It was just to make some headway in this area and to have a bit of a game plan and to see where it would go from there. And so I left the session feeling really good, really hopeful, much more loving and forgiving of myself, much more patient and kind and open to the problem, the experience I was having that formerly I would always call a problem, but now I was looking at it more as just kind of a factual experience that was just happening to my human brain and my human body. And I could decide however I wanted to react to it. But here's where the real magic comes in. And here is why I named this episode Flight Simulator. I know you guys were wondering about that. So now I'm going to explain that part to you. So there's layers, right, in the power of coaching and in the power of a coaching session. And so it's, first of all, very cathartic to even just say whatever you're struggling with out loud. And then second of all, like I just explained, you get the power of now it's outside of me. Now I can look at it. Now I feel like I have space around it. All the things I just explained. The third is you have someone else's eyes on it, right? Another outside perspective, an unbiased, unaffected person uh, helping you look at it through their eyes or just a different perspective and also get their opinions and feedback and and help, they help you come up with a game plan, all the things. So there's like so many layers just within the coaching session, but then the really magic part beyond all of that, this bonus awesome magic part is what your brain does with the thing that you worked on in your session throughout the coming days, throughout the coming week. And this is one of my favorite parts. I've talked about on this podcast that one thing I love about life coaching is that my supercomputer brain works on problems in the background, under like under the surface, on the subconscious level, which fits my life so perfectly because my life is chaotic and busy and full and wonderful and I love it so much. But in this season of my life, I don't make a lot of time. I could, but I don't make a lot of time to sit and ponder and meditate and thought work and, you know, um, self-coach and analyze. And I, I don't set aside a lot of time for that. But I believe in the power of all that. And I'm sure in other seasons of my life, I'm hopeful to make more time for those kinds of things. But even with not setting aside time to do that, now that I have talked about this problem in a new way with a new person and gotten a new perspective and all the space around it, instead of it being tight and mushy in my brain and making me feel so frustrated the way the way it had been for five years. Over the five years that I had worked on it myself in my own brain, and, and sure, I had discussed it maybe with a few people like my sister or my mother or a friend. Uh, I didn't get space around it like I do with a life coach. I just sort of told them, or, or my husband, right? I, I listed all those awesome women who love to discuss things with me, but also my husband is very intimately aware of this issue that I have because he's in the bed with me, right? So sometimes he wakes up, sometimes he doesn't. and But anyway, he knows what's going on and he has comforted me and and these women that I speak to about it, you know, my confidants, they comfort me and they say, sorry, you're experiencing that. And they even offer me, you know, opinions and maybe suggestions I might try, but I never felt the space around it that I felt when I discussed it with a life coach, with my life coach who was unaffected by it and was in that coach position, in that coach role with her coach hat on and helping me analyze the situation. And so 
your brain, your supercomputer brain goes to work on this problem. Now that there's room to work on it. There wasn't room before when I had jammed it in a corner and I hated it and it was a problem, but now there's room to work on it because I've opened up that space and opened up myself to it. And so I am going about my life and I am going about my business and I, uh, I inadvertently, I mean, I, I sort of intentionally, but sort of unintentionally have tasked my brain to now work on this problem in a new way. And it's really amazing because it, it had been about probably three days since my session. I can remember it so clearly. I was out working in my yard and I, I was probably thinking about it. I don't even think I was realizing that I was thinking about it because I'm just doing kind of autopilot work you know, trimming trees or whatever. And my brain is thinking about whatever it wants to think about. And because I've tasked it to think about this and go to work on this, that's what it was working on. And this brand new, clear, crisp, clean thought and idea popped into my head so strong and clear. It doesn't always happen this way, but it's so fun when it does of a whole brand new way that I could look at this that just changed me like 180. So Again, I'm not going to necessarily solve the problem. That's that's what I, my, the way I was trying to problem solve it when it was jammed into a corner and I hated it was how do I make this stop? And the way that I go to problem solve this when I'm open about it and when I have space around it is what of all the ways in the whole entire world that I could think about this and get a new perspective around it, like what do I want to think? What could I be thinking about this that would impact the situation for good? <laughs> And this thought just bolted into my head. Okay, so here's where flight simulator comes in. Somehow I was thinking about how my husband, who is a pilot in the military, has to go frequently to fly in the flight simulator. He has to do that for his helicopter training. I don't know, not memorized on the requirements, but I believe it's a certain number of hours every six months or a certain number of hours every year that he has to make sure that he gets hours, a certain number of hours in a flight simulator and when I've explained that to people, they don't totally get it. Uh, that That's not a super normal concept for people. So I've explained that the reason he has to fly in a flight simulator is that they practice all the scenarios where things go wrong. That's what you do in a flight simulator. You don't sit in a flight simulator and just fly a perfectly straight, normal flight where the engines work and there's no bad weather. You fly in a flight simulator to say, to make sure, to get tested on and make sure you know what to do when you have engine failure, when you have bad weather, when you have any any kind of mechanical failure or um, any instrument is not doing its job, anything that goes wrong, you practice those scenarios so that you have that ability and that faith and confidence in yourself that if you were in an actual helicopter and something went wrong, you would have experience knowing what to do because if you crash in a simulator, you just get to try again. And so they put you through all these terrible scenarios so that you're ready for that, so that you're ready for a terrible scenario in real life. And my brain, I guess, had been thinking about that. And I suddenly made this really beautiful, amazing connection that what if I decided to think about these dreams that I was having as my very own flight simulator, where I had the opportunity to practice what I would do and how I would think and how I would respond if something went wrong. Now, that might not be as clear of a connection for you, but it's I was inside my own brain and it just felt so beautiful and so clear and so strong. And it brought it all home for me of everything that I was trying to adjust and think about in a new way for this situation and this experience that I'd been having for all these years. And again, depending on the type 
of dream and the feelings that it brought up in me. Basically, here's what I decided that I was going to do, decided that I was going to practice in this new way, in this flight simulator way. I was either going to be grateful to myself for being willing to jump into action so quickly once I realized something had gone wrong. And then once I realized something hadn't gone wrong, I was going to say, just like a flight simulator. That's like basically the sentence I was going to say to myself, oh, nothing's gone wrong, but that was just like a flight simulator. I got to practice what I would do in that moment if something had gone wrong. And I handled it really well. Like in my sleep, I jump up and run to take care of the thing, which shows me that if something goes wrong in real life, I'm just going to be ready to spring into action and take care of it. If I forget something in real life, as soon as I remember, I will spring into action to make it right, to take care of it, to fix the problem. And anyway, there's a couple of ways to apply it, but it just came all together for me. And then the other thing like I'd already talked about that I was going to make sure to do is after I woke up enough to realize that it had happened again, make try to acknowledge it like the fight simulator I decided to acknowledge it as, and then be very kind to myself and calm and collected as I just got back into bed and calmed back down and was grateful for my flight simulator experience and grateful for the way I responded, grateful for the opportunity to practice, you know, just really shift all of that. Just so so, so cool. So I was so excited to tell my coach about this new thought and then also to practice it. But here is the really funny thing. After coming up with this plan, I went almost six months without having a dream, without having a middle of the night, jump out of bed issue, which is just so funny because now I had this best game plan for what I was going to do when it happened. And I think part of it is I had loosened something in my brain that I wasn't going to hate it anymore. And I wasn't going to call it the problem I'd been calling it. And my brain relaxed about it a little bit. Now, I will say that I have had a few in the last month and I'm not really sure why, but because I had that little plan in place when the when the next one happened again after so many months of not having had it, which was probably the longest stretch I had been, I had gone since they started happening. Instead of feeling full of dread and frustrated and, and discouraged thinking, oh no, they're back. I thought I was cured and they're back. Instead I said, oh, now I get to practice my new plan of treating this like a flight simulator. And it was, it just felt seamless because it vibed so well with my brain. It clicked so well with the way my brain wanted to think about it. And I was so ready to think it. Now, sometimes right in the moment, I'm a little too out of it and a little too sleepy. But if, if I end up just going back to bed and then the next day when I, you know, when it inevitably will come up in my thoughts a little bit of, oh yeah, I, I had a dream that the, the hot tub was filling up with water and I never turned the hose off, right? Like sometimes it's really silly stuff like that. And I jump out of bed to go hurry and shut the hose off, but none of that was really happening. So I think about that the next day and I say, oh, that was like a flight simulator where what would I do if I realized suddenly that I hadn't turned the hose off? Oh, I would jump into action and solve it. Thanks for helping me practice flight simulator, you know, and then I just move on and it makes it so I don't dwell on it. I don't overanalyze it. I don't get discouraged. I don't judge myself. It's just so cool. So I wanted to share that with you guys to kind of show you all the layers of the power of coaching and just to be so fascinated with and so grateful for grateful for our supercomputer brains that are excellent, excellent problem solvers as soon as we equip them to solve a problem. And when we keep something deep inside our head and we hate it and we judge it, we are just not in a space to problem solve for it. So this is my invitation to you to identify things that are bothering you, things you've been struggling with for years or for months or for weeks, and find a way to pull out of your brain. Even if it's just to say it out loud to yourself or write it down or work with a life coach 
to get a new perspective on it, make some space around it and let your brain, give your brain the opportunity to do its amazing work of going into problem solving mode and finding the solution to your problem, which might surprise you. The solution that your brain finds might surprise you because it's not always the solution you think it would be like, how do I make these episodes stop? It's how do I think about them in a new way so they're just not even an issue anymore. It's a non-issue. This will happen from time to time, but I'm not stressed about it anymore. I don't see it as a problem. I don't think it needs to stop. I just know what I do when it happens in a way to way decrease the drama in my brain and to have a totally more improved and productive experience with it. And so it can happen or not happen either way. I'm fine. And that was the solution where when I was stuck inside my own head, the only solution felt like, how do I make these stop? Because they're terrible. Whew. Such good stuff. I'm really glad that I was able to get on and share this with you guys today and tell you this story. I love telling stories. And I want to add one more little thing here. It's actually Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody. And I found this perfect little window to record a podcast episode because I don't, I'm, uh, I'm hardly ever alone in my house. So I hardly ever have the quiet atmosphere that I'm looking for to record a podcast episode in my home. But it turns out Halloween night was the perfect moment. So I just wanted to uh, share this, give a little glimpse into my life for you. Um, we go to a neighborhood trunk or treat basically at five o'clock on Halloween. And we, everyone who wants to in my neighborhood drives their car to this one road right by a park in our neighborhood. And we all line up. And the kids walk from car to car doing, you know, the, that version of a trunk or that version of a trunk or treat. And it's nice because it's sunny outside and the kids all get to see their friends and see each other. And we have this fun guy in our neighborhood who flies this, I don't even know what it's called, but it's a, it has this, like a parachute thing above it and it has a motor propeller so he can steer and go up and down and drive. But it's it's just one man inside this little cage thing. And anyway, he drives over the park and does a candy drop to the kids and pours candy out on the grass. And then they all run and grab it. And they love that so much. And then we live in this really unique neighborhood where we're all on five acre lots. And so a lot of people have animals and horses some people will bring their horses to the trunk or treat. We've had the headless horsemen come. We've had horses painted like skeletons come. That's so fun. A lot of people will bring motorcycles or four-wheelers or dirt bikes and ride up and down the road a little bit. And we have uh, the people right across the street from the park have camels in their pasture, which is so fun. So it's just like such a unique and awesome experience. And I just love that every time. So we did that. And then my all my older kids have plans with their friends or trick-or-treating or parties or my two oldest are at a concert tonight. And then my two youngest still want to do some normal trick-or-treating, but nobody goes trick-or-treating in our neighborhood because all our houses are so far apart in a whole neighborhood of five acre lots. You can't just go from front door to front door. There's not enough bang for your buck. So my husband will take them to my sister's neighborhood and do a little bit of trick-or-treating. And then I stay home. And it's funny because I've always stayed home to like pass out candy. But like I said, no one even comes to my door to ring the doorbell and say trick-or-treat. So that was my perfect window is I ended up staying home like I often do. And I suddenly realized, oh, there's no one here. And I probably have a good solid hour of just quiet time. So that is the scenario that I am in right now recording this podcast episode and I'm going to try to publish it tonight. It may not go out till tomorrow morning, um, but just in case uh, I wanted to say happy Halloween. I don't know again if you'll hear this on Halloween or when you'll listen to it, but 
I hope that you all had a fun and safe night and that you had fun with your kids and them getting dressed up and that you enjoyed the story that I shared and that it is helpful to you. And that is what I have for you. Are you ready to take what you are learning here on this podcast to the next level? Then let's work together. I would be honored to be your life coach and help you create the life you dream about by focusing on what is always in your control, your mindset. Are you ready for everything in your life to feel different and better without needing to change any of your circumstances? Then schedule a free call with me by going to my website, simplyresilient.net. I can't wait to work with you.